Hi, my name is Elijah, and welcome to my podcast, Songwriting for Songwriters. My guest today is Kyle Falconer. Kyle is best known for being the frontman and songwriter in Mercury Award-nominated Scottish indie rock band The View. He's recently released two brilliant solo albums and is back with The View with new music and currently on tour. We speak about his early influences growing up, what it's like being in a band, how songs arrived for him, the muse, his influences, and much, much more. So please enjoy this podcast, subscribe, and thank you for listening. Today on my Songwriting for Songwriters podcast, my special guest is Kyle Falconer. How are you doing, Kyle? Not bad, man. Not bad. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay, mate. I'm doing okay. So it was good to hear some um, new music from The View. I'm absolutely loving the new tunes you put out on uh, on Spotify. I found them the other day. They're, they're absolutely amazing. Nice one. Thank you, man. How, how's that uh, feeling to be back in the band after some time off and some solo projects? Is it uh, good to be back with the boys? Yeah, um, we recorded um, recorded with Youth. Was it this year or last year? Okay. It was last Last March we recorded it, and we planned on getting it out pretty soon. But these things never happen that way. It's always a, uh, always takes a bit of time in the process and labels and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah it was good, man. Um, what a what a new what a what what a new drummer, what a guy called Eddie that was playing for us, who's been like a long time um, a long time, a friend of youths. He's known him since he was a kid, so it was good to. To work with somebody new and just have a different vibe and also we've um always wanted to go to youth studio in spain but every time we've worked with them a couple of times and they've never they, i think it's never worked out they were able to go to the spain the spanish house so but we ended up space doing it mountain, like, right? space mountain yeah. yeah yeah it looks amazing yeah it's a, ma- ma- it's a magical place um, i think before that we've done we, we went to brit row before and then we've done somewhere in bethnal green but that was cool man it was great it was just a good vibe yeah, it sounds class. really. It sounds really fresh, man. It's like it's. I mean, it's hooky as hell, but and just like you know, it's kind of shoveling his hands. It's just like such an earworm, but it's such a great sort of cinematic sound as well. It's really sort of something slightly different from you guys, but like really, really like maintaining all that quality with just really bigger sound in some ways. Man, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, um, when we first recorded with Youth, um, two thousand eleven, we still had that um, kind of young young sort of hoodlum approach and <laughs> like yeah. we're still like dead Scottish I mean it's funny because working with different artists like Matt Ronson and like d- doing the solo projects and be doing a bit more stuff that's a bit more poppy yeah um being back then it was it was like I really had to be like total I wanted to stick to my Scottish roots and I remember youth even going like back then on t- in 2011 that was always it's always been quite important for people. Um, it's funny because even my daughter, like, uh, she's six and she goes, "I've had the same jeans on for four days now," and I'm like, "Everything's something like that, doing." She's like, "Oh, you do that? <laughs> it's funny," but uh, I never really realised it. And then, but even like a, a, my family members and that, like, you don't sound as Scottish as you used to. Um, and I think that become, comes from. I mean, even my uh, right when you stop when I had kids. Um, and I stopped touring with the band. I mean, it's been nearly six years, and then my, my message is from Edinburgh, so she's a bit more polite. 
than me coming that, that, that rather than turn around turn turn around with a bunch of Scottish hoodlums and like <laughs> running riot. So like you I kind of lost the slang a bit. I mean, I go I go straight back into it when when I'm with him. But it's funny because whenever I'm with him, she's like, "Oh my god, you just go back into like yeah. just schemey boy mode." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's it's funny because we were always trying to be true to ourselves in the songs, but then. I look back and I go, what, what, why am I singing so Scottish that it doesn't even sound like me? But just, I suppose it's just with age growing up and and now um, it's kind of like a gimmick, I suppose. Yeah. I think people connect to that though, mate. It's this, um, you know, it's, it's 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 real, isn't it? It's honest. It's this sort of thing, same thing with the Beatles or, you know, it's like, there's just honesty there. And that's, I think that's part of what your initial kind of appeal was as a band, really. Just that kind of the lads, you know, down the road doing the music. It was something which was appealing and fresh I think yeah yeah I mean I think just working with different artists um I, I've started I do a lot of writing in LA um well I, I did like in the past past few years and everyone like even then you've got to tone it down like just to, to talk to people and sure. even to get a drink at a bar you've got to you've got to really tone the accent down that they're just like what the hell are you saying man <laughs> I mean it's different if you're from Glasgow or Edinburgh but Dundee's a kind of different yeah. a different kettle fish altogether so I think um when I was writing with a lot of people there and you're doing demos or there was I was in with a lot of rap artists and stuff. So they were just like, oh, dude, what the fuck are you saying, dog? <laughs> Yo. So now it's like I'm just like basically just put an American accent everywhere I was going because it's not like you're in front of anyone who's yeah. going to go with why are you why are you all speaking American? You could just yeah. do it and get away with it, you know what I mean? So it was fine. Yeah. And then singing American accent, so it was fine. Awesome, um, man. And but, so how's the um What's the in the view? Are you are you the main songwriter, or is it more of a collaborative kind of vibe with with you guys? It's it's all. It started off as a collaborative, um, like um, like I would I, I kind of like we'd me and Ke, me or Kieran would write the songs and bring them to the band. Yeah, and then there was times where there's times where we kind of on albums. I mean, the first album was more like. Like I bet a chorus of Cairn or whatever, and he'd he come in with a couple of lines, and it was like we felt we felt this closeness. But I think after after I moved to London, and then Keen, everyone kind of moved away from different places and started getting their own lives, and then yeah. it kind of became less less collaborative. But we've always had we've always had that. Yeah, I mean, on the last the last album there, um, like uh, there's a couple of Cairn songs are a bit more political than mine's. Mine's are a bit more. Um, Wacky and like, I mean, I, my influences are like Crowded House and Squeeze and like, uh, like Mikey and Mechanics and okay. like, I mean, uh, the Beatles, Oasis are all my big ones, but I mean, I, but I'm, I'm a bit more, I like stuff that's a bit more dreamy and yeah. uh, hearing stuff's a bit more political. So I think that's where we kind of, yeah. where I kind of, if he's doing a, a song that is political and I don't, because I, I, I'm not really into any of that stuff. So I'll, I'll just be like, oh, well, why don't we put a spin on it and we'll, I'll do the middle eight and I'll do the chorus. Yeah. That's kind of how we work. Great. Um, But I mean, it's always, it's always been different. I mean, Pete, the guy from the other guy from the view, he started writing a bit as well. So that's been pretty cool as well. Um, but yeah, um, I think um, at the start, I mean, when we first started out with the view, we were like, we were like total brothers and we won the talent show together and like we tour, we never, we were always, we stayed everywhere with each other. We used to like share like each other's like brew money and like yeah. buy like super noodles and just like never leave or rehearsing all the time. And then as stuff got, I mean, it happens to every band, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, totally, man. But once we started, yeah, but once, I mean, we've, yeah, we've always been collaborative. It's always been a quite a close-knit thing, but 
I think after um, touring for all them years, and we called it a break, it was like, it was a bit, coming back, it was a bit like, we need to make sure that everyone's happy. And it's quite hard to, it's quite hard to balance that. It's really hard. Um, because yeah. obviously, oh, oh, yeah, because I mean, I've, I've been away to, I've been away doing all my own thing and may have produced and wrote and recorded all the instruments on my first solo album and that was great. But then I kind of missed having the view. Yeah. I missed having that input and just it being me. But then it did feel good and quite liberating to do it yeah. on myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, to, you know, just do absolutely everything. That was great. But then on the next, the, the next album I'd done, I was like, I'd like, I'd like, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd put, uh, there was this guy called Frankie Saragossa who I met in Los Angeles. And I was like, would you be up for doing an album? It was COVID. So we, we kept trying to find some way to get over to America for me to do it. And I co-wrote with loads of different people. I co-wrote with Alex Greenwald from Phantom Planet. And a guy called Justin Stanley, who like who produces all the Beck stuff. And he's like the drummer for Beck. Mm. Um, who else? Uh, this guy called Jesse Singer, who was who's, who's an like, amazing um, multi-instrumentalist. Um, a guy called Mikey Reeves, who's like a big country writer in America. Um, so we've done like a, I was inviting that you know what I mean because I was kind of fed up writing on my own and yeah. I just wanted a bit of a change and I wanted to go right down the pop route so that's why I got Frankie because when i done that record that No Thank You album which was my first solo album it's good yeah. but it was uh, it kind of got categorised as oh, another indie album and I was like well that's kind of what I do then I thought right, I'm going to venture off a wee bit yeah. and uh, so I started that's when I started collaborating with other people um, which is a weird one as well because there was a lot of guys in America where, where you where you're right with people, and I've never done this. It's always been, I mean, if I do anything with Kieran, we always we always just do a key, uh, fault in the Webster anyway. So that's just the rule we made when we were kids. But um, it was a weird one because obviously when I done the No Thank You album, my first one, that was that I got like, I got all the credit for that, and it felt good. But that wasn't like oh, that didn't feel like uh, like it had accomplished something. It wasn't like oh yes, I've finally done everything myself. I felt like oh, I wish I'd kind of collaborate with somebody there, mm. which it was good to experience that. But then when I was collaborating with some people in America, they were, it's a weird thing because I'd never done it. There was a lot of people like, when you come in this room, it's 50-50. And I was like, okay, okay, whatever. And then I'd write the full song. And then it would be like, <laughs> then I'd come away and I'd be like, well, these guys are still getting 50% of these royalties. And I've had managers in the past that have been like, no, I'll go and fight that for you. But it's then at the end of the day, the older you get, you're like, is it worth it? You've already made the deal. Mm. It's like, <laughs> I, I had... could have went in there and if I had been such a, Sorry, Richard. No, no, I heard a really good story about that actually. With Chris Difford does lots of songwriting courses and camps, and he was telling me a story that he was um working with, I think, Belinda Carlisle. No, not him. Actually, he had a camp and he set up Belinda Carlisle and two other writers, and one of those writers fell to sleep in the session. So at the end of it, she was like, Well, we're not gonna split the royalty share with with him. And Chris made the point of going, Well, you are, because if you hadn't fallen to sleep, you wouldn't you wouldn't have written the song that you wrote. You know, him falling to sleep was part of the kind of process of that song coming in. So it's like you said, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, and I've I've been at like I've been doing a a songwriting camp. That's why I'm so tired today. I've I've actually just got back from a. I was doing a we've done a week songwriting camp, and then I had to come back for to do two festivals with The View, then I spent a day with the kids and I went straight back into doing another songwriting camp with Blaine Harrison from Mystery Jets. Mm. And then we went straight into a music festival in Spain that we had. So I've been there for like nearly three weeks. It's been really intense and obviously I've been missing yeah. the kids, but we got we got rained in for like 10 days and it was like, and everyone was so intense and everyone's waking up. And like some some people are great songwriters, some people have never written a song in their life. I mean, we don't, we don't, um, 
we don't vet anybody that comes. Anyone's allowed to come to camps. There's been a few mm-hmm. ones that I've been. I used to spend a lot of time in Thailand as well, where they were like, "Oh, you've got to hand in a CV, basically, if you want to come to this camp." And uh, mm-hmm. our one, we're just like, basically, anybody can come, so it's pretty risky sometimes. You get some some nutters coming, you know what I mean? Like that. that like, is don't it, know you, what you, you so setting up this camp? Is this your? Is this your kind of um your thing? Yeah, me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, me, me and my best mate Michael Ward, we we bought the place last year specifically to do this, but we've been. Amazing. While we've been kind of setting it, setting it up, we've just we, we bought it in June last year and put the first camp on in August, so it was pretty yeah. fast. Um, but it's it's getting bigger and bigger, and there's like there's all selling out. And the, the plan was to to do it so that I didn't need to keep going over, obviously, because I've got kids. Yeah. So this worked out that way. We've now got we had Blaine Harrison just do one. Then next the next one we've got John McClure from. Uh, Brilliant. From Revenant Revenant Makers, then we've got Callum Beatty, who's like a, a big thing, a, a Scottish singer songwriter. Then we've got Mogwai, the guy from Mog Stewart from Mogwai Amazing. doing one. Amazing. We've got uh, we've got a guy called Cool Cool Kid who does all the he does all the all the K-pop songs, all the BTS stuff and BST, whatever they're called. So it's good. I think this year's been really tough. I right? um not this, well, the whole since last June because it's been like basically. To one to two weeks at a time, and I've been having to go go over there and like, but I've been I've been kind of having to sell them on, but it's just like kind of fans of the, the view and stuff. So it's been it's been worth it as an experience, but it does take its toll on you, like yeah. just having to write songs. So basically, um, because we I've heard the songwriting camps and I've been there when they're on the go and I've seen them, but I've never been involved with ones. So we just kind of made up our own rules and it's it's worked out great. The way we do it is brilliant. We've we basically got all the songs and we put them onto a hard drive and then we've got every camp that comes we've got this big collection all these songs we're going to once we get them all mixed and that we're going to put it on spotify there's going to be like an lsc which is lasting out of casa there's going to be a spotify playlist and then where the views first manager is now we're about to start a label and he's he's managing the label but he they're over there right now building the recording studio so that's been taking some time and basically basically all the cash we make from there goes into the, the studio so obviously me and my best man are not getting paid to be there so it's like it's just like taking all this time out for the last year to build the studio, which will be amazing once we get it. But it's been like taking a toll, man. It's like sounds, Jesus, I'm absolutely beat. That sounds amazing, though. Like so, it's such a beautiful thing to build, and like you know, over time, obviously, that's going to build into something. But just that, it's great to have a place where so many songs come out of, right? And a community of songwriters and people. Yeah, it's a really great thing to do, dude. Yeah, I think I think um, like I think. It's funny because there's there's a couple of guys that have never written songs and just like wrote like these poems and they won't want to show them. They were more into, they were kind of everyone was quite nervous and they're like, there's some guys that just come in and go right ready to go and they'll write like fifty songs and it's like brilliant and it's like okay I'll leave you to it. But other guys are like oh I'm not quite ready to show you and like, and then on the last day there was this guy showed me this showed me this poem that he'd been writing and he'd been working on it the whole time the six days he was there and he was like I'm ready to show you and he showed me it. He's like, could you put this into a song? And it took me like 10 minutes to do it. And it was like one of the best songs ever on the camp. Oh, yeah, and it's like, it's really special. So it's pretty cool to see how the cookie crumbles on some stuff because you don't expect that. And you don't expect some collaborations to work. Like we put different people in different groups and yeah. some of them come out. You're like, holy smokes, man. Like these, these like these pop girls are coming with these like big hairy rock guys and they're coming out with the best song in the world. It's pretty yeah. cool to see the versat- versatility striking like that. It's cool. That's great. Quincy, man. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, it's class, man. Really good stuff. So, early songwriting influences for you then. So, to tell me who like impacted you to pick up a guitar and what what songwriters kind of inspired you when you were starting out. Well, my first my first thing I, I loved musicals when I was a kid. So I used to love Grease and like Jesus Christ Superstar, West Side Story. Um, because my mum and dad, older parents, they were kind of always like 
he's getting me into like all the vinyls and stuff. And then uh, Michael Jackson was my first my first love when I started like looking into maybe writing songs. And first time I'd felt like proper inspired, like oh god, I could maybe do this. And then I never really started writing. I just thought about it. And then Eminem was like a big deal for me when I was like 10, 11. Um, so I kind of started writing raps. That was my first thing. Um, not crude raps, just raps. <laughs> and like, uh, and then, but while I was kind of in the midst of that, that uh, like 12, 13, the Beatles came on and that was me just like sold. And yeah, they, yeah. they completely dominated my life. Like, like, and I mean, I, I used to be in like gangs and stuff when we were younger and like chase each other and get battered and run about and just cause havoc. And then that happened. And my mum bought us at the back catalog of the Beatles uh, on Pirate, by the way. It was like Pirate, that she knew this guy at work that got like all the back catalog on Pirate. Mm-hmm. And then she got me them. And I was like, and then I just became absolutely obsessed. I wouldn't leave the house. I'd sleep with my guitar. I would just be like putting super glue in my fingers, training myself, just getting better and better. And then it's funny because all the view guys were a year above me and they kind of picked up guitars, but they weren't, they weren't, uh, as into it as I was, because I was, I, I just like sort of banded on my friends in the school and stopped playing football, stopped playing snooker, which is a big deal. And then I was just like, I just sat in my room and just dominated. And then they were all like, and I kind of became a wee bit better than everyone. And they were all like, oh shit. So every, and then I started, started going to this kind of, this, I was like, well, every lunchtime, I'm going to start doing things. I've been writing tunes and that. And it was, it was a funny thing, because I, I would bring my tapes into school to show the, the music teacher that had been recording on my eight track. And I was just obsessed with that as well. And then, uh, he would, I remember one of the guys stole it, stole it from us. He was like, wait, I want to steal Kyle's songs. And I was like, no, they're personal. And then he put them on and all the girls were like, oh my God, that's so cute. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got more, I've got more where they come from. <laughs> and, then like, and then I started bringing the tapes in every day and then it became a thing like, oh, wait a minute, you could be a songwriter. And then, okay. so everyone said then, but then, but then the year above me was the guys that I met from The View. They were already pals, but they when I went to the same like primary as nursery, so I always knew them. Uh, they were in my brother's year, and then I was, I was like, basically, I'm going to start a band, and then loads of people turned up with the guitars, and we kind of sipped through the shit. So it was me and Pete, we started rehearsing together, who's from The View, and then Kieran, Kieran turned up, because he knew we, we didn't have a bass player, but we needed one, but he just went, his dad, his dad was like, well, if you want to be in the band, I'll get you a bass, so he turned up with a bass, and he's like, I've never played it, but I'll learn how to do it, just Brilliant. to be in the band. Amazing, I love um, that. Yeah, but we're like, I was 13, they were 14, and then we went in for the talent show and then every year the, in the school the, the Irish dancers used to win it they'd won it for like 10 years in a row and then we'd done it and then won it and then kind of became like we celebrities in our school then we started winning it every year and then it was funny then but, but, but we'd never really rehearsed any of the songs it was a weird one because my um my uh, mum no my dad my dad passed away when I was 16 and they'd all left school I was still at school and they came to his funeral and we kind of had a couple of drinks and I was like I was like, I'm writing my own material. And they were like, well, and I says, my pub, my cousin's got this pub called The Bayview. Right. And I says, we could rehearse there for free. Let's just get the band back together and we'll do our own material. And then within a year, it was like, we were playing, but we used to call it the World Tour of Dundee. We'd just play all the pubs in Dundee. And like, and then it kind of, it became quick, really big. Um, and then Kieran just came in one day and like, with the song Streetlights and Superstar Tradesman, he had wrote, he had written them. And I was like, holy shit. So then, my, 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 point on them songs I would kind of I was more of a melody man so I was with Kieran was more like a sort of worried kind of thing so I would put melody into his stuff and it was just it was just a great time um those early, days, uh, those early days of school bands and like figuring it out you know so I remember for you know kind of doing an assembly round about the same age like 13 or 14 and you've got like all the years above 
and to go on stage and do, and do a gig or play one even one of your own songs which i did you're, you're kind of at that moment of like this is either going to go well or be a nightmare for the rest of school you know it's that kind of those yeah. early days of like putting yourself out there as a musician or songwriter when you're a kid it's it's uh sort of a big decision isn't it when you're at school like that it is because uh, there's a there's a guy in my school and what's his name because he still kicks a bit but he was he's a bit of a bully and he was uh it was him that tried to make a fool of me. I'm like, ah, oh, listen to these. They're totally like cheesy and shite. And I was like, oh. and then all the girls just totally turned on. I'm like, these are, oh my God. And then, yeah, the teacher was like, I'm not even going to teach us that I do. I'm not, you don't even have to do the assessment. You could just get a one plus. That was the best song ever. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, friend. I was like, it's paying off all this work. Amazing. Um, that was, that was a cool thing about that then because everyone was kind of scared of the fact that you know, couldn't read music or that in class. And yeah. I think once you realize you don't need to do that. Yeah, that's um, a every, everyone else kind of followed suit, and I was like, "No, you do this." Do you remember what your first song was called? The first song I wrote, yeah, it was called uh, "I Love You." Um, it was like this. This, uh, I was like, I used to I wrote it before I'd even knew what love was. I just did those thing lyrics, which is funny because the lyrics are actually better than some of the lyrics I like today, <laughs> and they don't even mean anything. But, um, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, I remember all them back in the day. It was like one called You Wind Me Up, or The Landlady. What I used to do is, it's funny because you read about these, um, there's a couple of guys that have been at the camp that go to, that have been to other camps, like music camps. Jet, sit on it, darling. Come on, sit on it. What, he's been a riot. Um, but there's a, he was, he was standing on the crocodile. There's a, there's a couple of guys that were like, um, yeah, showed me like techniques of what they do at their songwriting camps and that. And he was like, and there's stuff that I used to do as a kid when I never even knew it was a process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There was, I used to just like go through books in school and pick the titles, out, which was one of them was The Landlady, which we were doing. Yeah. Um, do, and then and then I would just write it and I would just like see what came out. And I'd get, I'd, I'd buy like an interesting pad that, that I liked the look of that I thought I'm, want, I'm going to want to pick that up every day. No, not just your average book, yeah. a really yeah, nice yeah. pad with a pen. And then I'd just put all these titles in it and then I'd go through them and then once I'd, once I'd finished it, I would just write the next title and then I'd wait for the melody to come and then pick one of the songs or the titles that I'd already had. Okay. Sometimes done it like that, but but I mean, the, nowadays just having a phone and the majority of the majority of how much you see on TV and Netflix and just just getting everything dropped drop of the hat. I mean, recently I've I've been off social media for like maybe five five weeks. I don't think I'll go back to it. It's, it's kind of, okay. I feel like it dominated my life a wee bit. And yeah. I feel like I used to write a lot more I used yeah. to write a lot more, but when I started doing the solo thing, I had to kind of get social media, which I hate doing. I still don't. I don't agree with it at all. So, I think now that that's all passed, and I've, I've been absolutely done in from Spain nearly a month, and we had to go and get myself some new pads and yeah. just try and. I've even I've even thought about getting rid of my phone, you know, and just getting an old school phone because I feel like it's so easy just put netflix on watch watch rubbish and yeah, just like pass the time with us yeah. i feel like there, there was there was so much more going on before i had these phones and yeah. even like when i first met my partner i had i used to always have like a wee shitty samsung phone and it was like i was always writing lyrics but i always had a wee pad in my pocket yeah but nowadays it's like you just go you it's so easy to write a lyric down but it doesn't mean as much to you when you've not got to have a pen and a pad yeah because yeah. you just like scroll through normally what i'll do is i'll nowadays because like this the the how easy it is to do things. I'll 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 get I'll get this amazing idea for a song and I'll be like, oh, and I'll finish the chorus and I'll go, that's it done. And I'll not even look at it. And then I'll actually go and go into the studio, say this is one of my new songs. I'll play the chorus, write the verse on the spot, and then I'll go through 
my phone and I'll just write a middle letter on the spot and just see what happens. It normally comes out good. And then I'll go onto my phone and find some lyrics that I'll, that look relatable. And by the time I've got this chorus that's got nothing to do with that verse, it'll end up making total sense. It's totally weird. And it's like, it all makes sense. But back in the day, I would get a song and finish it, and it did make sense straight away. It never took, like, the universe to come into play to try and get it to align, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was... So it's, it's a pretty strange way things work, but it's more... It's weird because you get people coming up to you and going, oh, that oh, that song totally connects with me. And you're like, what the fuck does he mean? I don't mean and then And then because they've said that, you go, actually, it does mean something. Maybe it's coming from another place. And it's like, do you think it's it is, true. Do you, you think that's that true? Way. Do you think that's true? Because, I mean, I tend I to... Get be- it. I, I tend to think it is because for my process as a songwriter, the songs where I can sit down and write them and it's like an exercise and then other stuff comes, which is like, it's almost like I'm not, I feel sometimes like what comes through is like beyond what I would come up with because it's too difficult to sort of write in a way. Then I have to learn it or sort of, so it yeah, feels to me like there's two different places, like there's the, the me writing it and then there's something else sort of going on as well, I think. How do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I've heard, I've heard a few people saying that, and I, I, I feel totally the same. I mean, there's a, I mean, I, I think it depends on who you're working with as well. Sometimes, I mean, you get, I mean, I've been in a lot of times in LA. They take their songwriting really seriously. So it's a bit more different from here, where you could just, you could just write something and it'll mean something later, which which it normally always does. But over there, they're always like, they're always like, oh, but. Do you, don't you think there's a better line we could probably fit in there? I mean, does does that connect with you? And it's like it doesn't always need to connect. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. We'll just do it and fix it later. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but there, I feel like the we call these big writers in LA, and that's they, they sometimes they don't see that they kind of see the the universe the universal connection the same way that other people can. I mean, what is what is John Lennon going on about? He's on about the, the walrus and all this shit. And it's yeah. like, but now it's made sense to me loads of times. You know what I mean? I go, I finally kind of get what he's meaning. And even a lot of Noel Gallagher's lyrics, that's just like loads of stuff he's written down on random bits of paper and put them together. It's the same with, same with even Tarantino, the way he works. He'll just write random scenes and connect them all together. And it's like yeah. a story becomes a story after he's after he's made things. You know what I mean? So there's well, no right way to ever do anything in it. That thing with Noel Gallagher, he also, I was, which used to really annoy me in like music press when they'd say they'd use the champagne supernova lyric, slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball, as like an example of how he wasn't a good songwriter. And I was like, I know how that feels. That's exactly like how I feel, you know. So, yeah, exactly. You know, and some stuff like, you know, the movement you need is on your shoulder by Hey Jude, which doesn't make necessarily sense, but it really does make absolute sense. You know, it's it's that kind of, it's interesting yeah. to say that I've been a few songwriter workshops where it's almost overly. I guess it's a British thing, maybe just like little bits of kind of uh, things that make sense later or don't quite make sense, but do make sense. That's maybe a part of British songwriting, maybe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember, I remember watching a thing on Travis. Um, it was like, you know, you get that VH1 thing where it's like the and they the, the explain the songs and they do it acoustically and the, the fans ask them about it. It's like I used oh, to be cool. on VH1 back in the day or VH2, yeah. but he was like, somebody was like. Um, was it writing to reach you or something? It was like a butter. It was like but, butterfly to. I can't remember the lyric, but I remember him going, going. Why would he's going? We're not here to assess the lyrics, and he's got because it's one. And he's going. This, I think it's when he's on, but what's a wonder wall anyway? And then they're like, okay, we're getting the reference to Oasis there because it's kind of got this, but it's got this exact same chords as Wonderwall. But then he's saying, but what's the butterfly turns to snow or something? And he's like, I don't know. It's because it fit. Yeah. And he goes, it doesn't matter. But then I was like, I've never doubted that lyric. And I was like, uh-huh. but he kind of gets offended by the women in the audience. She's like, I think they're American. And they're like, 
why why do you have to say that when the song's going so well and then you have to <laughs> throw that line? He says, because it rhymed. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah, it rhymed, you know what I mean? It's like, stop, stop assessing it, man. It's fine. Yeah, but also, like, you know, I'm sure you find that certain sometimes melodies come with words and they don't necessarily make sense, but they the melody suggests the word and it's too... Sometimes you might analyse, do I keep that word or not? But it just feels better to sing it than a word which maybe makes more sense. You know, it's just f- the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, an, yeah that, that's another thing I do. Like, I'll see when I'm kind of scatting on a song, like, as I was saying, if you've got a, a chorus or something, while it's, while it's waiting, I'll just kind of scat. And then the more I'll listen back to the demo, but I'm just listening to the, the actual structure of the song or whatever to see what I need to do. I'll yeah. sit down my notepad and I'll go, but what, what I've said there is... It's better than anything I'll ever come up with. You know, like, actually, when you're not even thinking about it, I'm just like, I've got the chorus and it's been great. Just fill in the verse and I'll do a melody. Whatever I sing there ends up being the the, the verse or the middle eight, nine times out of ten. Yeah, yeah. It's mad. It's mad. And it's like, I've never... And and before that, before you're away, it just starts cutting. You never think it's going to come out like that. And it always does. It always There's always someone in there you could always use. Yeah, yeah I agree. ends up turning into it. It's so mad, man. That's exactly how I feel about it. And that's why I think there's something sort of going on there, you know, because I mean, I suppose like you learn about songwriting because like you study the Beatles or whoever you've grown up with listening to, you study them. So you kind of become subconsciously aware of the moves and, you know, the kind of things that, you you know, that they've done. But like, there is that moment where something just comes through. And that's, I mean, that's my, it's so addictive, man. And so, such a sort of enjoyable, thrilling. And all these years later, it still remains like just exciting, doesn't it, to write a song? Yeah, as in, I I think like the the quicker, like the the more people think about something and selling it, what I was on about like the LA writers and stuff. Don't get me wrong, I love I love the process of every writer, but it's just not the way I really do it. Like in the the camps there as well, there's a couple of there's a guy that I work with, and he's always like kind of prodding me, going like you need to you kind of need to do a bit more work, um, which because he's we're both quite ADHD and we're like running a bit like lunatics, but he's like. He's like, come on, he says, I've only been working for a couple of hours and that's basically my job is to, to go, go around and make sure people are yeah. fine and writing their songs and doing their bit. And um, But I'm like, but I did, I just went up and they're like, I says, they showed me their, their verse and I put a verse on it. And he's like, but you should be sitting longer and trying to go through it. I says, no, but that's how I do it. Yeah. He says, I think if I overthink it, it's not good. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm trying to tell them not to do that. I'm showing them how quick it could be done. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that that people that have never written before, and they're I'm trying to show them the the, the way I do it. And he's like, I know, but it'd be good if you could sit down for at least an hour or two with each person. I'm like, no, it's no way, man. It's just, you'd pay me a lot more money than that. Though. Yeah, well, let's like, come the, on. You're right though, because I've, I've done stuff like that, and it's like you say when when it, if if you have the feeling if you have the experience like you and I both do, it seems where something can be extremely quick. You can't really explain that, can you? It's just like, well, I wrote it and it just happened, and that's. You just be open to. I guess that one of the ideas is to be open to um to get out your way a bit. I mean, it's a sort of mental process, you know. Just don't overthink and just just let it happen. You know, stay involved with yeah. the, whatever <laughs> the universe, whatever it is, bringing you bringing you music. Do you yeah, think? Man, it's, it's just I, I read somewhere in your, I think one of biographies somewhere that playing covers you used to play covers early, early in the days with the band, sort of playing gigs and in pubs. Do you think that shaped your um? sort of the instinct for songwriting a bit as well because obviously if you play in a if you play in a bar you've got to cut over noise you've got to cut over people to get anyone's attention or for them to have a good time the the, the choruses have got to kind of work do you think that impacted your songwriting those early days of doing that stuff definitely because i was uh i was brought up in like as i say like, I, I mean when i was when i used to play in pubs i would i'd basically just 
I kind of had this. It was a, a lot of older women that came to see me. I used to play in these couple of pubs, and it was that was my kind of clientele. So I had to play like um, I would just the my thing was basically if they t- if they tell me a song, I'll be able to play it, and that was kind of my my thing. And then people would go, people would come and see it, and they would say, um, be like take that, and then go bet you can't play this, take that song, and I go bet I can, and I would just play it. It would just be like that, and yeah. I play all these like sort of cheesy nineties. Um, like sort of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all that kind of stuff. So even though I, I grew up in indie music and all that and I loved all that, I've, I've always I had older sisters that were always pushing that on me. Shania Twain, like Celine Dion, like that, that was like what I kind of. So I know I know all that kind of stuff as well. I mean, I would never go and buy the records, but my sisters heard them and I would kind of borrow them and put them on. I was like, I loved a lot of Billy Joel, like George Michael. I basically love everything and that's that's great. Uh, and I know it all, so there's nothing that I don't really know. I think that's um, great, though, think... to, to have that open-mindedness and to have also to, to... I mean, it's all great pop, isn't it? And like you are a great pop writer. Your, commer- your sense of sort of commercial... I mean, that, I mean, like it's so melodic yeah. and commercial and pop, you know, within the medium of, like, an indie band or the, with your solo albums, it's different, but it's just, like, your songs could be done, you know, with a string quartet or a band or with beats or whatever because you're a really great melodic writer you know and that's come you know that's obviously in you but it's also a, a um it's interesting to hear you talk about you know having so much music around you at that point and learning that stuff and playing it and just maybe not being judgmental about it just just yeah. listening and learning i mean basically that's what i always say to people it's like um i go well you're a beatles fan like you're the rolling stones like i, I always think that's that there, there was a there was a barrier and it was funny because you get all these all these young kids and they go how, how could you do that how are you able to do that? And I'm like, because I listen to Celine Dion. <laughs> it's, it's fucking easy. Yeah, easy yeah. stuff. Listen to the Beatles, obviously, but listen, and not, I mean, listen to Max Martin stuff. Listen to like stuff that you shouldn't be afraid to listen to, but like society and, and has categorized your opinion for some reason. It's like, yeah. you shouldn't have to do that. And it's like, you, I used to get slagged at school for liking the stuff, you know what I mean? But I was like, and that's not, I'm more fool you. You're the idea that kind of go, they're like, how could you write middle eights like that? And I'm like, fair, listen to NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. Like, yeah. Every Max Martin, they're, they're, they come from that, like, obviously from the Beatles. But thing is, but the, the Beatles do it, but they're also, some of the structures of the Beatles stuff are quite, are quite confusing. It's always like, it'll be like verse. Some of the songs don't, don't really have choruses, I don't think. It's just like, it's just like verse, bridge, verse, bridge, verse, bridge, verse, bridge, out. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's mental. It doesn't yeah. really make, so it's like, structurally sometimes, I was baffled by that. And then once I started realising all the Max Martin stuff and Backstreet Boys, and I was like, oh, then that's kind of like how I structure a song. You know what I mean? Like, be like, like sort of intro, verse, like chorus, re-intro, second verse, chorus, middle eight, quiet, quiet, co- quiet course or quiet verse, uh, chorus and then out. That's like the way that, I, and it's funny because I don't even mean to do that, but then once I start, once I got older, I started going, oh, I'm just kind of sticking to a formula here that I never knew I was doing. Yeah. Um, and the only time I wouldn't do that is when I'm trying to be a wee bit outlandish and be a bit weird. But yeah. normally that's what I do. And even, and some, you won't always notice because the, because the shorter the song or the longer song, God, it could be, even if you put that in, it could be a minor song rather than a major song. It, people think it's so versatile, but you're still using the same structure all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So do you write every day then? Does, I mean, obviously you have been because you've been on songwriting camps, I guess, but is it a thing you, do you pick up a guitar or piano and, and do you write every day? I pretty much, I pretty much write something every day. It's normally annoying times, like when I'm waiting to go to bed and I'm like, oh no, and the song will hit, and then I've got to kind of creep up and get the piano or the uke. I do a lot of stuff on the uke and a lot of stuff on the piano, and um, basically I put all my guitars in Spain and all my other stuffs in the, the views lockup. So 
I've got I've just got the kids like these black star these black star amps and basses and that so I play I play them sometimes so but yeah it's more piano stuff I write on because if I if I find a melody I normally write the melody in my head first I'll be walking on the day I'll fit I'll get it I'll maybe demo it but if it's that strong I won't I'll just I'll just wait till I get home and I'll put it I'll, I'll play it on the piano and I normally ask the kids what they think and they're like oh my God. I write with my daughter Wild as well she's six but I got like there was a song on the the last view album that she done that never made the album but it went on the the Japanese edition so I'm quite quite proud of that that's brilliant. So they're kids musical then, obviously they are. They could, they've got, they... Yeah, they could, yeah, they could all, they could all sing. I'm just trying to teach them to harmonise. That's quite, I don't, I don't think I was quite harmonising at six, so I'm going to get, I'm, I'm kind of get pretty strict to them right now, but, but yeah, they sing, they all sing a great, the old Wizzle and Taylor Swift and all that. It's funny because I never really liked, to, I, I always, Taylor Swift was quite a, a late bloomer for me because I always used to think, how was, what's the big deal about it? But now the kids that are looking at her went on a back catalog and I'm like, holy shit, what have I been missing all my life? This is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. class. I had that with Drake with my daughter. Just one of those things where you don't quite get it and then it's sort of you, you kids playing and go, okay, yeah, I totally get this. This is... Uh... I've to still... My, kids, kids are not into Drake yet, but I'm sure there will be one day, but I've still... I really don't get that yet, but maybe it'll come when once I start listening. The there's a track started from the bottom is the one that broke it open for me. Um, that that tune kind of started me on the, the Drake quest. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like you said, the kid, the, the kids, mate. You know, again, I think what's coming across from what you're saying, which is really good to hear, is there's no snobbiness or judgment about music. Music is music. Yeah, never, um, man. Never. It's all important, you know. Yeah, man. Definitely. Um, what? If you could say anything, if if you could introduce people that didn't know your songs, what are there, are there like two or three songs that you think define you as a writer that you've written already that you would say those are my two or three, those are the ones I'm most proud of, or they kind of say what you know they they pull forward all my influences and uh, and who I am. If you could you pick two or three songs you think that you're most proud of? Um, yeah, there's some that there's ones that like that show the the versatility that I can always say. There's one called Grace. Uh, that's on um actually there's a song called Life that's uh, that's on uh, the third the third album that not a lot of people that 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 is not one of our most commercial albums. I mean it did that did do well, but that's one I'm pretty proud of because yeah that was that was uh, one of the that was one that was a uh, one that was uh, kind of I wrote this song uh, when my when my dad had died when I was sixteen and then I never finished it and then because it was quite it was a weird one and it was and then. When my mum died, when I was recording the the album of Youth, he was like, "What? Could you show me something you've never played?" And I played that song, and he was like, "Well, if your mum just died, could you not continue the chorus?" And we kind of connected that song, and I put another chorus in. And it was a magical time. Wow, and we had this like fifty piece orchestra on it, and it was recorded in the Sphere Studio. That was a pretty big moment. Um, but that's that was uh, that was cool. But I mean, and that that's like a sort of more sort of indie sort of poppy song. But got a song called Grace. Which is also on the album, um, yeah. and then there's a song called "Distant the Balloon," which is like, which was like when we were pretty mad on the, on the drugs and the everything, and it was like, just about this pirate, this about it was like comparing if Dundonians were pirates, <laughs> and it was like I was really out there. It was like being up for weeks, and it was like me and Owen Morris wrote it. It was like just. I'd I'd sat down with the guitar and wrote it and Owen got the, the piano out and I was like we got really crazy in the studio one night. And then we sent it to this guy called Ollie Cross, who'd done all the strings for the Verbs album, the Bittersweet Symphony and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He he was like he wrote he wrote all these parts on a sonnet and all these songs, basically on Urban Hymns and yeah. we sent it to him 
and then we'd kind of sent him this wee mini score. We put it into this program. We were just playing stuff. We sent him what we wanted it to be, and he sent it back. And we were like, "Fuck, of course, we're still like high." <laughs> like he yeah. sent it back the next day, and we were like, "Oh my, it blew everyone's mind." And then the label came in and went, "What the fuck is playing at? This is like outrageous. This is not a pop album. This is not what we want to hear." But I'm pretty proud of that song. That's um, amazing. Uh, still, that's one of one. If I'm out, no, if I'm like, if I've got, if I'm at the house in Spain or that, and people are like, we're just kind of having a buzz and we're up late at night, I'll be like, oh, I'm, it's not all pop, you know, I've got this, it's like a sort of classical, druggy, mental pilot song. It's pretty cool. That's great, man. You spoke yeah. very um, openly and honestly about some, some, you know, some battles with addictions or, or recovery and things like that. Do you, has that um, impacted the way you write songs? I'm, I'm in recovery myself, so I hope it's not. Um, you don't mind me asking the question, but you no, found you to be very brave and, and you know, like happily vulnerable about it and honest. So just wondering, does that, has that impacted or changed the way that battle or those kind of, you know, those areas, does has that impacted your songwriting? Well, I feel like it's a weird one because I feel like on the first, on the first album when we were writing, we were writing about being, being high and being, doing all the stuff, but we actually were not actually high. It wasn't a physical high at the time when I was writing them, but I've been high. Yeah. But then, then on the second, this whole second record, I was I can't remember writing it. Don't remember recording it. The third album was total sobriety. Right. Um, but I wasn't in recovery or anything like that. And just youth didn't let us didn't let us drink in the studio. So yeah, that was pretty cool because after coming from being writing about drugs and all this stuff and that, then the third one was like youth was like making her do like clay models and draw her and her feelings and paint and get Reiki and all this stuff. So it was, at the time we were quite annoyed. We we're like, Oh, but then we saw the outcome. We we're like, Oh, it was probably worth it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, then it was kind of this bit, bit druggy for the next ones. And then the, but my soul records were, they were all like, they were about kind of talking about going to rehabs and being recovery. I mean, it's been, it's, it's been sort of in and out. Um, but I've realised that, like in America, when I done my, when I wrote when I wrote the last solo album, there's everyone's kind of sober when they're in the studio, so they're not really allowed to bring in right. drinks anyway. So that was I've kind of the basically my songwriting nowadays is is sober because I'm around, I'm here I'm here I'm around the kids and I'm, yeah, I'm sitting yeah. on the piano it's during the day yeah. I'm not away anywhere and it's like yeah. um. So I do. I feel like that is the better outcome, but it's one of these things. It's like if you if it wasn't like that back then, I wouldn't have got that the songs yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Or would have been better, and I would have got more success. I don't know. You know what I mean, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You never know. You know what I mean? Brilliant man. Brilliant. Right, yeah, man. Um. So, I I have interest. What's your favorite Beatles album? If you're just going to choose a Beatles album, can you say? I mean, it's probably sergeant pepper but also i could say the white album because there's more songs on it yeah i mean yeah. so like so like and it's more it's got this most versatile album but i mean sergeant pepper was i mean I'm, i've always been i mean even i've got john john tattooed in my hand and that and i'm a, I'm a massive beatles fan all around but paul was the big one for me when i was younger because i was more i was more into wings and stuff when i was younger and more into i was more into the paul songs when i got older i started like like listening i started digging john more yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it would probably be Sergeant Pepper, I'd say. Yeah. Brilliant. And if you're going to give advice to a songwriter, um, what what would you, what kind of guidance or advice would you give a songwriter? Do you think? Well, probably what we were talking about earlier on, like don't don't dwell upon it, don't don't take too long to do things, and just get that idea down. A lot of people um go, oh, my song's not quite finished yet, and it's like just get it done and like. 
just is repeat a verse, repeat a verse, and then you'll you'll come up with it later. But try and get it down and just like, yeah. Like I think a lot of people procrastinate too much, and it's like, but I, but that's my process, and it's like, oh well, you're 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 going to take ages. And nowadays, people do not piss about. You've not got any time to do that, man. You know what I mean, if you want to get picked up for a label or get some demos done, you strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Um. And this is the question, uh, final question, mate. Thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. But final question. Yeah, what is? If you were to pick a song that you didn't write, someone else wrote, a song that you could live with in your head and sort of enjoyed writing, uh, what song of, of all the history of songs would you pick as the song that you'd like to have uh, lived with and written? <laughs> I don't know. That's a, that's a really hard one. But right now, right now, I would say Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's Because, maybe because I've just been listening to him a lot recently, but Every time I listened, I remember when I was a kid, that was the first, I remember like thinking, oh, I'm so inspired. And I was in school and I had it on my headphone and like snapped the pencil and I remember going, oh, what have I done? I broke the pencil. I remember <laughs> feeling like, oh, like, that made me do that. It was like, I, rem- I remember like still to this day, there's never been a time I don't put that song on and I'm not blown away by the lyrics, the production, just yeah. everything about it. It's just un- unreal. Yeah, I remember the same thing being four or five uh, years old and my friends uh, had that, well, I can't remember what, Jackson film it was, but it's the one he's with the bunny rabbit on. You know, there's a film. Yeah, Moon, Moonwalker. Yeah, Moonwalker. And so, yeah, just Man in the Mirror comes up, and it, that is so, it, you're right. It's such a massive song, isn't it? It takes all the oh, boxes, like lyric, universe, the universal feeling, personal growth, change, hooks. Yeah, man. it's just it's banging, absolutely banging. Yeah, it's class, man. Eh? So, what's up next for you, mate? What's the um, what's the next uh, few weeks and months looking like? Um. Try, try, I just got a, I just bought a camper van, so I may go on tour with the kids okay. uh, to, Disney, to Disneyland. But the next gig I've got coming up is Transmit. We're doing Transmit, it's a big festival in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Then we've got just loads of summer festivals coming up um, with a view. And then we're touring in like November, December time. Um, but I'm, I'm just, right now I'm thinking about my next project. Um, I've, I've just done a musical as well, which is okay. which is at the Fringe. Uh, that was like that's that's based on my, my missus wrote it and I've I've wrote I've done the music so brilliant that's going to be on that's going to be the fringe in Edinburgh in August. What's um, that called? That's 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 my, that's my last solo record so it's uh, no love songs it it's called. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Um, but that but we're doing that. Um, but I'm um, yeah I'm thinking about my next project. The view album's finished, so I don't I'm not sure if we're going to do another view album. We'll probably do this, but thinking about maybe doing another solo record or doing another musical or what. Um, but obviously, I've got the studio in Spain now, so yeah. I'm thinking about. I've, I'm working with a couple of people as well. I'm working with this, this young girl called Neve Zara, who's a, a young country artist from Manchester, and she's. We're going over. I'm going to do this. I've been writing with her a lot, so going to be recording with her uh, over the summer, or maybe just after the summer. So, but yeah, I'm just. I'm just at that place where I'm thinking of a new project. It's quite exciting because I could yeah. do anything. So I'm just like, yeah. what will I do? I'm like, hmm. I mean, I'm not really. Got time to just think about what to do. So that's my that's my awesome, plan. Man. Awesome. Well, Carl, thanks very much. And also, the, the, mate, I've so loved the, listening to your solo records. The, the, it, before each podcast, I sort of deep dive somebody, and they're so great, man. That's the really are. Oh, thanks a lot. That's, Appreciate that's, it, man. Impressive songwriting and um, versatile songwriting. So uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast, dude. And I'll uh, cheers, man. Brilliant. Spot on. Cheers, cheers man. See you in a minute, man. See nice ya. One, Take care. See ya.